Well, good morning and good evening, EPL State of Mind listeners. I'm your host, James, and alongside me today is Sean as we unwrap the latest football gifts brought to us by the Premier League's festive period. Of course, the partridge in the pear tree of this past week has to be Aston Villa entering the title race with two 1-0 victories over the champions, Manchester City, and formerly first-place Gunners. But it's not all about Villa this week as we fill your stockings with all the most important happenings around the Premier League, including some significant results and top-notch goals. It's time to settle in, soak up the festive cheer, and get your football fix with the latest installment of the EPL State of Mind. We'll give a quick shout-out to Kyle. He's away abroad this week, so you have Thing 1 and Thing 2, the melanist voices of Sean and myself, James. So, Sean, welcome back, my friend. How we doing? Oh, I'm always good. And speaking of good, it's always a good day when Manchester United gets eliminated from Champions League contention. Oh, man. We were talking about cataclysmic. cataclysmic. Oh, bro. I nailed it the other week. What is Tough. happening? It's a little bit colder out today. The lips get a little bit chapped. It's a little bit Icarus, bluer. you flew too close to the sun. <laughs> you thought you could pull it off again. <laughs> Can't get too cocky. You got to stay humble. But we were calling how they were one failure away and i think the bournemouth over the weekend which we'll talk about tipped the scales but we have some hot news to kind of warm up everyone's cold hearts from the day especially if you're a manchester united fan with some hot news and sean I'll, I'll give you the shout you did a lot of the work this week why don't you take the reins no reindeer holiday pun intended but uh take us away my friend yeah, so just a quick update on the Champions League came back this week for the final set of group stage fixtures. Like I mentioned, Manchester United was eliminated. They finished fourth in their group, so they don't even drop into Europa. Uh, Manchester City and Arsenal qualified top of their groups, and Newcastle plays tomorrow against AC Milan, um, needing a win in their final group stage game to advance to the knockout stage. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, regarding a team actually in, well, I guess not a team, but in the same league, uh, Galatasaray. This is unbelievable. Uh, a match official was assaulted after the game by a te- uh, team president of Ankara Kagu, and that is as good as you're going to get. I don't speak <laughs> Turkish. Shout out, Jem Ray. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a crazy, and we'll get back to the Champions League, but oh my God. You, you hear about this stuff happening in some other leagues that have no spot in UEFA or no weight in anything, like you said, Champions League. But to have happen as close to, to that as the Super League in Turkey is is outrageous. And then, obviously, it's just straight-up assault. The whole team was kicking him when he was on the ground. I mean, it's absurd. I have had some really, and you have too, have some really harsh feelings about referees and VAR. I mean, we have threatened to tar and feather somebody, but we would never do it. So this is this is absurd, but hate to see that. Of course, it's hot news. It's a bit entertaining, but it's sad. But again, Champions League fixtures continue tomorrow. Uh, they are the last batch of it, so we will know exactly who is at the top of every league at the end of the day tomorrow. And then, Sean, do you know what? I forget what off the top of my head when the drawing is for the round of 16. But if you don't know, first place in each group will then play the second place in an opposing group. They cannot play against anyone they've already played in their group and they cannot play anyone from their domestic league. So in this case, uh, if Newcastle plays tomorrow and they win and Dortmund stays up as the, uh, the second place team, 
or the first place team with a win over PSG. Newcastle could not play Arsenal, even though that Newcastle finished second, Arsenal finished first because they're in the same domestic league. They are not able to play each other until I believe the semifinals. No, I think it's just the quarters. It's just the quarters because uh, there was teams in I think three Italian teams on the same side That's of the right. bracket. Um, mm-hmm. The draw is next Monday, the 18th. Um, so obviously we'll finalize who's who are the knockout stage competitors tomorrow. Um, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And speaking of group and then knockout football, Copa America is coming to the United States next summer. Um, the United States was announced in a group with Uruguay, excuse me, Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia. Um, tickets go on sale in mid-January. Um, and there's a bunch of games on the East Coast. I think specifically, of course, is the Argentina game on june 25th at metlife uh you better believe james and i will be there seeing Messi in person there's you can bet your bottom dollar on that one absolutely a lot of international play this summer i love it june 25th is copa july 1st for me i haven't dropped the bomb yet but i'll be in germany for the euros so that will be an exciting wow. two month stint for me huh yeah seriously that's unbelievable so wow i didn't know that good for you man that's awesome yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. A little game in Frankfurt. I actually got approved, or my application that I submitted was approved for the round of 16 game in Frankfurt. And it's the winner of Group F, and I'll talk about later on, which could look like Portugal, which means I'll see Ronaldo in his last, hopefully, last Euro stint. Yeah, but, but he's going to be camped on the bench. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. Something about Ronnie, man, really gets me feeling good about the Euros. But we'll see. I can I can keep my fingers crossed. But bringing it more domestically and back to our smaller fish pond of soccer is the weekend roundup. And like we said last week, it's the festivity. It's the season of festivities for the EPL, which means it's double week plays. So we had double weeks this week, but with Champions League in Europa last week, we had another midweek game, but that was domestic. So we have a couple of games that we wanted to highlight and then a few quick shouts summarizing each team's two kind of what happened in their two games so first off is another london team against newcastle who we kind of talked about before with their champions league fixture tomorrow and it's tottenham's absolute smashing of newcastle four to one at tottenham hotspur stadium the xgs on this were pretty much exactly what we saw and it was 4.16 tottenham to 1.71 newcastle so newcastle underperformed xgs just slightly but Tottenham surely didn't. Sean, take it away here. I, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is a little captain on captain crime, no? Yeah, I, it has to be because the game started off with Young Min Son just absolutely pantsing Kieran Trippier on two different occasions. Um, I, I think he sa- actually came out this week and said Son's in his nightmares, so <laughs> something to, to keep an eye on our thoughts with uh, Trippier. But no, really tough day for him. Son set up the first two goals, just beating him cleanly. And then, as you noted here, it's uh, it's Trippier's also picked up his fifth yellow card of the season, which means he's out for Newcastle's next game. And it's just not a good time. We've talked about the injuries. They're just starting to get fit again. Um, I think Callum Wilson and Sven Botman made the bench in the last game. So, I mean, that's a good sign. But obviously, their away form is extremely concerning. Um, they, I believe, are 18th in the away table this year. I might be make, I might be incorrect on that, but um, they also lost earlier in the week to Everton three, uh, nothing. So that was a tough result. 
And yes, the, here it is. So only Luton Town and Sheffield United have less points away from home than Newcastle this season. Like, like you noted last year, they finished with three away losses. This year, five. So it's been a tough, tough go of it for them. I think new injuries play a big part, but you have to credit Tottenham in this game. Richarlison with a brace, more goals than he's had in his first 39 games as a Spurs, and now a brace. So, uh, you know, good for him, but obviously we don't want to see too many good things happen for Richie. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Richie bandwagon. Definitely some some clinical finishes, and, you know, I did notice that he did not take his shirt off once for either of the celebrations, which might have just become a little nipply out there where he learned his lessons of the other times where they got called back. But definitely a concern if I'm a Newcastle fan. Trippier's fifth yellow card and suspension is not coming at a great time, or maybe it is. He was coming off of another horrible performance against Everton where two of his errors led to two goals for Everton. The first one coming from a great strike from Dwight McNeil and the second from Decore, who we've highlighted before being one of Everton's better players of the season. Just really tough if you're Trippier. You know, the Englishman has been in great form as of late, but he's played and started in all 16 matches so far. He is pulling a large, a large shift. I was going to say load, but I know if Kyle was here, he'd start giggling on that one. But pulling a large shift with the back line that is, you know, in a bit of shambles you know now they go to fulham or they have they host fulham who have scored and we'll highlight it before so i don't want to ruin it but they have scored 13 goals in the last three games and they scored five last game against westhood and west west ham and five earlier in the week against nottingham forest i think yes yeah so now they're in unbelievable form right now incredible form so i don't even know if st james's park will be able to save newcastle on this one especially with a game coming tomorrow against p uh, against uh who's against ac milan which means yes. a lot in champions league so that's what i say about trippier you talked about with charleston i was surprised to see him go i believe the full 90 after a short-term uh surgery but like you said even even a blind nut finds a even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while so good on Richie. And then obviously their their waveform is what they have to figure out the most because right now their home form is third best in the league. So that's really where they got to kind of hunker down a bit. With that being said, before we pop on the next one, two quick hits, real quick questions for you. Don't have to go into anything crazy because it's Spurs. We don't like Spurs and it's Newcastle and, and we want them to go back behind schedule. But if you're a Spurs fan, do you think that their spiral, which we predicted after the game that got rid of half of their entire starting lineup, <laughs> is done with this spiral? You know, they have one win in the last six games. Will we see them pick back up or will we still see inconsistencies? I mean, listen, Newcastle, uh, sorry, excuse me, Nottingham Forest is, the, is their next game away. City Ground's a tough place to play, but they're one of the worst performing teams in the league right now. As we just mentioned, they got pumped by Fulham. So, no, I, I think Spurs are definitely in a position to bounce back. And as they you know continue to get guys back from injury, obviously that's going to help too. Um, but their next five is manageable. I mean, they have Everton at home next. Everton's obviously playing really well, so that'll be an interesting game. Brighton away is probably not as daunting as it, as it you know seemed at the beginning of the season. Um, then they have Bournemouth at home and, and United away. So, I mean, there's tough fixtures in there. But, no, I, I expect them to start picking up more points a good team and and you know they seem to have a lot of belief i think uh that's probably the biggest thing obviously the football looks great but the belief and and, and unity of the team is clearly increased under pasacoglu it's like one of the most apparent things 
And it's yeah. it's not necessarily a tangible thing normally, but the the difference between him and Conte is is night and day. Absolutely. I mean, you can just even compare Ange to uh, Pochettino. I mean, he's you know came in fresh, brand new, complete opposite of what Ange is doing with with Spurs right now, arguably with less. So I'm I've been I'll be the first one to say it. I am impressed with Spurs' ability to even though they have lost five out of the last six the couple that they have lost or drawn, they looked way better than I thought they were going to be. So I'm with you on that one. The last one, hot take here. If you're Newcastle, are you starting to think about possibly not making top six? I think they have to aim for six because especially if Tottenham win this week, it could create a six-point gap between the top five and the rest of the league. Um, I I definitely think, you know, top four is, is pretty close to solidified. Obviously, there's injuries, anything could happen, but I think, you know, pretty likely that Liverpool, Arsenal, City, at a minimum, are in the top top four. And then Villa, I mean, they have to be in that discussion after the week they just had, how good they've looked at home. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if those are the four. I think most people would expect that. And then, like I said, if Tottenham can create that separation, then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's an up, uphill battle for Newcastle likely that they're going to be playing some sort of European football, whether it's Europa League or, or Champions League remains to be seen um, in terms of knockout football. But um, I, I definitely think their home field advantage is valuable. But yeah, I, I think another couple of results against them, you have to be looking at the top six and, and admit that top four is a lost cause. Definitely not what they had on their schedule after quite a hot you know, start last year. Well, they started off slower last year and kind of came back um, right as well but definitely not after finishing in pole position in champions league football this season for them but it happens and we'll we'll monitor their situation a little bit further like you said their injuries are piling on so maybe when people start to get back and healthy we'll see the results swing the other way sometimes it all only takes two people but talking about results swinging the other way one of the teams who have had a great homestead run right now and they're looking great are the cherries bournemouth Three, Manchester United, zero. And this one was away at Old Trafford, too. We had XGs of uh, Man United of 1.41 and Bournemouth at 1.62. But this game could have easily been 4-5-0 Bournemouth. I mean, this was a great watch to to have. And, and before we get into the details of it, I'll give a, give a shout out to possibly the better looking Larkin, your brother, Pat. Uh, he was great company to watch uh, the game with at Mulligans. I wasn't expecting that. So when I saw at least one lark in there, I, I perked up and I knew I was going to pour somebody a, a, a car bomb, which he happily accepted at 1030 a.m. So big shout out to you, Pat, for that. Um, I hate to see that his boy was losing his Manchester United bet, but the, the reactions of all the Man U fans at the bar down the down the way just the reaction was worth the price of admission for that <laughs> yeah i could imagine man i mean this is a this is a rough one um for united but as you mentioned one of the best teams in the league right now and to actually in terms of the last five games bournemouth have the most goals scored the least goals conceded and they're tied at the top with liverpool and villa for the uh the most points so Kyle's nemesis from last year where he wanted them relegated, called them feathers, I believe was the term he used. <laughs> um, but he did say bet on them to stay up like two or three weeks ago. So he's he has changed his tune and, and with good reason. I think Adani Iriola's press in this game, the way he set up, um, he caused a lot of problems for the build for the buildup of Manchester United. 
and they created off that one with the first goal. Um, I believe it was Lewis Cook who picked it up and ran down the wing and crossed it in for Solanke. Cool as you like finish. Yeah. Oh, he's real cheap. And he's a guy you got to give a lot of credit to. I don't think we've shouted him out on this year's podcast. He's already scored um, eight goals this season, which puts him above the top scorer on Bournemouth last year, which was Philip Billing with seven goals across the entire Premier League season. Um, And he scored six of his own last year. He was a little bit more of the assister, but he's really taken a step forward with his finishing and, and, um, I'm really happy to see it. He was at Liverpool a few years back and, and kind of struggled, um, went down to the championship and ripped it up with Bournemouth. And, and um, you know, now he's performing well in the Prem. So very happy for him. Uh, tough game for United, though. Like I said, it really was difficult for them to get out of their own half at some point. And, you know, they did create chances to score. They just, you know, didn't find them. And Bournemouth did. They had two quick uh, headers in the second half. I think it was Billing and, and Marcus Sanessi off a corner on the second one, which billing six, six, you're going to lose that aerial duel quite often. And then, uh, Sinesi with a great header as well. Um, but what kind of takeaways do you have from this game? I mean, I think it, it was one of the most impressive showings I think I've seen at Bournemouth, especially at old Trafford. I mean, that has a, sure. a battle of its own. You know, I, I agree with you completely. Solanke deserves his own shout out. He's actually one of the players that I transferred in two weeks ago. And I'm happy to to do so in, in fantasy. He could have easily had two goals this game. He was denied by the post right around the 40th minute on a great, would have been a great finish. But unfortunately, if it was one inch over inside, it would have popped back in. And then Bournemouth actually was denied by VAR a fourth and a fifth goal, one for offsides and a second coming in the dying embers of the game with a handball, which was a bit harsh to give, but also wasn't necessary to not give. So if you're a Manchester United fan, this is definitely a game that you didn't want to see happen, especially coming right before a champion Champions League game this week. And ultimately, I think it was the death of, death of Manchester United. You know, they still haven't found their identity underneath Eric Ten Hag, which I think is a major issue. You look around the league and you see Ange keeps talking about his identity, how he wants the boys to play. You look at how Mikel Arteta started shifting the Arsenal team into a possession base two years ago. You look at Man City, who's established their identity. Liverpool's established their identity of press, counter, and quick pace up the sides and just better players overall. I still can't figure out Manchester United's identity, and a lot of that has to struggle with the the, the team and the players that they have. I mean, McTominay started in the middle again, which everyone was trying to hope to ride off his coattails, but he was kept really quiet, and I think that was part of you know, Bournemouth's game plan to sequester the possession in the middle. And I hate to say it, but the best players on Manchester United over the game was Maguire and Anthony. I mean, those were the only two that really had any ability and prowess with the ball. I think Maguire had three or four shots with just his, his noggin going up. He's a big jalute too. One player of the (laughs) English Premier League player of the month last month. So, you know, it's hard to find a bright light in the Manchester United squad, you know, to add to that, Bruno Fernandes received his fifth yellow card of the season, which means he'll, he'll miss the trip to Liverpool. I don't know if you mentioned that already, but the game this weekend is not going to get any easier for him. So it's a, it's a tough takeaway from Man U. What do you, what do you mean, dude? Manchester United have a long historical track record of recent success at Anfield. They've done exceptionally well, in my opinion. 
I think they should continue to put up a performance like they did last year. It'll make my experience at Anfield on Sunday (laughs) significantly improved. That's right. That's right. That I'm excited for you that. And hopefully unlike last year, uh, Manchester United don't win by seven goals. I'm I'm sorry. I got that one wrong. It was the other way around. I I threw that one out there for all the, all the fun stuff that I knew we're going to get from Kyle and his boy, Ian, another shout out to Ian. But other other than that, dude, how pumped are you to see that game? Yeah. I mean, that's, we'll we'll get into it in a little bit, but uh, I'm obviously excited. Um, I don't want to skip over this next game because I think, you're really. I'm going to enjoy watching you talk talk about it, which is the Aston Villa victory over Arsenal. You talked about it on the intro. What a week for Aston Villa. What a week for Leon Bailey. He sets up the first goal in your game, and he obviously scored the winner in the uh, the City match earlier in the week. Seventh minute goal from from John McGinn proved to be decisive as Villa won their fifteenth game in a row. That is a club record for Aston Villa, which is a club. Just for you, uh, your history buffs at home has been around since 1892. So it's an incredible run for them at home. Unai Emery deserves a lot of credit, but I'll throw it over to you. Let, let's hear the vent session. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I got to start off with that going into this game with the record that you just mentioned for Villa and the pure form and the pure euphoria they must have experienced after winning one nothing against Man City. I was very nervous. This is probably the most nervous I was for a game this season so far. I wasn't even, I'm not lying, wasn't even this nervous for the Manchester City game because there was just no way that we were going to lose that one again at home at the Emirates. Gave me a lot of confidence with how we finished last year. This game had me the most nervous for good reason. I'll, I'll say it, I'm very glad with how we played and in that I was kind of expecting possibly a 3-1 loss, a 2-1 loss, 2-0 loss. So walking away with a 1-0 loss here left me a lot happier than I thought I was going to be. With that being said, I don't think the scoreline represented this game truthfully at all. I mean, from the seventh minute on was pure Arsenal domination. And it was 80-plus minutes of possession-based play, attacking prowess, just a couple facts out there that Arsenal had more than doubled Villa's passing in the opposition's half with 109, 194 passes in the opposition's half and doubled the other team's Villa's touches in the opponent's box, which is a stat I like to look at a lot, touches in the opponent's box with 37. Villa only had 15. You know, But unfortunately, the big storyline here for Arsenal was that the fact that, not that the fact, Kai Havertz was denied his fourth goal in five games in all competitions with a very controversial VAR overruling on there as well. And we can talk about because I'm curious to to hear what you have to say about that. But the storyline was Arsenal saw so many great opportunities and didn't capitalize. They saw four big chances and missed four big chances. Most of them for, were sh- shots that went wide of the post from on top of the key. But a lot of them were from great saves from ex-Arsenal uh, Emmy Martinez, you know. Great guy, great, not great guy, but great goalie. <laughs> and, and and this is one of those games similar to, to um, who who was I thinking about this earlier in the week? Even Manchester United just against Bournemouth. It, if they had scored one goal, there was a strong possibility that the floodgates could have opened up and we have a different story here. I think if we put one in the back of the net, I fullheartedly believe that this is an Arsenal W. Would have been a great W, would have mean that we stayed in first place. I'm less upset about the loss 
and more upset about the fact that Liverpool's in first plate because of the loss than the actual loss itself. But it is how it goes. I called it last last podcast that Liverpool's time to shine as first place was is not far away. I, this is definitely going to be the hardest title race, and the EPL title race is on, man. It is on. But overall, I definitely left this game less nervous than I thought I would, so I'm happy with the performance. The team is still firing on all cylinders. They just need to find the back of the net a little bit more. Sure. I think that's a fair assessment. They definitely controlled the pace of play, but at the end of the day, Aston Villa is not going to care, right? They got the result. Um, yep. And just kind of like you touched upon, a very different uh, game than the way that they won against Manchester City, where they just completely overran City in midfield, which made sense. It was Alvarez, um, Rico Lewis, and something else. I think even Oscar Bob got to play on the midfield <laughs> somewhere. Our boy, close personal friend, Oscar. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Credit to Villa at the end of the day because they got the three points. And the other thing is a team that can win games in multiple different ways. That's a very, very valuable skill set. It's a mark of a good team. And they certainly were able to do it. Um, and another team, as you just touched upon, that that was able to do that and finds a way to win is Liverpool um, with a comeback win over the weekend against Crystal Palace, my uh, my second favorite team. Although I only really like them because of my boy Abarecieze and he missed this game due to injury. So with that being said, Crystal Palace, fuck off. Until <laughs> um, but they played really well. They caused Liverpool a lot of problems, um, especially off the break. Allison, unbelievable save off the you know early in that game to to you know keep Palace out. They did score on a penalty that took about seven and a half minutes. Occurred seven and a half minutes before VAR decided to pull it back, which was really strange. Um, but. Liverpool found a way to win. Harvey Elliott, unbelievable goal. Great from strike. Him. Great yeah, strike. Yeah, he just able takes the ball from Salah, um, cuts inside on, onto his left and just hits it, curls it into the corner. It's a beautiful finish. Um, and it just seems like every week there's a different guy from Liverpool who steps up and makes a play. It, this week it was him, um, which was which was huge. And just a quick other quick note I wanted to mention about Mo Salah um, scoring his 200th goal for Liverpool and his 150th. Um, in the Premier League specifically, um, which ties him with Michael Owen for 10th all time. He'll likely be, you know, even higher up that, that list before the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'll get touched upon it a little bit later on in the lock of the week, but I hope that Mo Salah Mojo keeps going a little foreshadowing for everybody there when it gets to that lock. But keeping the quick hits kind of going there, I know we, we kind of brought up uh, Liverpool there. I feel like it would be an injustice if we don't give Luton Town a shout out. I mean, they sure. have you're you're so close. You're so close, Luton Town. Don't give up Hatters. I mean, you will get all my money for your next home game just because of your two incredible showings. First midweek against Arsenal, who managed to put four in. Big shout out to Declan Rice, Sean Larkin's favorite one hundred million dollar English center defensive mid player. Great <laughs> header goal in the dying embers, which I didn't even mention before, but gave Mikel Arteta his third yellow card, which is the reason why he was sidelined in the Villa game this weekend, which I think is absurd. Let the man celebrate a 97th minute goal winner. I mean, are you kidding me? We got people. Nah, I don't want to get into it. But anyway, definitely let him celebrate. That was a little bit bogus. But getting back to Lutontown and then going a great showing against Man City, only losing by one. And they went up one nothing to begin with. You know, unfortunate that Jack Relish. And I think it was Bernardo Silva came back with quick back-to-back -back goals. 
and and ultimately won the game for Man City. But Luton Town, you're knocking on some giant doorsteps there, man. So keep trucking. Hopefully you can kind of find your way out of the relegation zone. Like we said before, you guys are kind of the best looking one out of all of the recently promoted teams. And right now you're only four points away from safety, five points away from Nottingham Forest in 16th. It's early. Anything can happen. For sure. Um, I do want to say, just because you mentioned it, their next home game is against Newcastle. Um, they're away this weekend at Burnley, and then they go to New, or they have Newcastle at the Kenny, which I've, I've said it since the beginning of the year. They're going to take, they're going to win against some team in the top half. I, I guarantee that there's going to be an upset at some point. They did take points off Liverpool, which, uh, which obviously the game, you know, now at top of the table, you're like, oh, we could have got points here or here and there, and we could be, you know, even yeah. further ahead with a little bit more cushion. But um, a team that we can't ignore this week is Fulham. As you mentioned earlier, 13 goals in their last three games, 5-0 and 5-0 this week. Um, a guy I'd, I'd like to shout out is Raul Jimenez. Uh, we talked about him quite a bit on the pod that Nick was on, the Wolves special, um, and kind of how he, he really hadn't recovered from his, his head injury. He seems to be back. He has three in his last three games. And just, you know, his, his pressing, his energy, all that seems to be, you know, back at the level where he was, you know, supposed to be. Um, and then a shout out to Kyle because he's not here to give his goal of the week. But Harry Wilson, for me, was the best one on the right-hand side of the box. Bends it into the far left corner. It's um, absolutely beautiful. And James McAtee from Sheffield scored a similar goal. But Harry Wilson used to play for Liverpool, so I'm a little bit more partial to his goal. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. I was talking to my my good friend, Paul, who I've turned into quite the monster of an Arsenal fan. Didn't watch a lick of football until I met him. And now his his wife complains to me about all the, the viewing that happens on the weekend. So I take great pride in that. But he sends me a a photo of one of the fantasy league players who won, you know, top, top points of the, um, the weekend and half of his roster was Fulham players. These guys are popping off and it's not just one player. I think they've had six or seven different goal scorers over those 13 goals. Jimenez being one who scored three, but absolutely bonkers. So big shout out to Paul for that, uh, for that Fulham shout out really got him on, on the pod this week. And finally, the the last but not least already briefly mentioned shout out, and that's Everton. Ain't no point deduction holding you back, boys. I mean, the toffee, <laughs> the toffees have picked up nine points of twelve available since that point deduction, and since Blake's invigorating morale boosting episode, I know Sean Dyche played on repeat post the Man U game for these boys <laughs> to get high, hyped. And I know it's only post because Sean Dyche didn't know how to use Spotify before the Man U game, which is why <laughs> they lost that Man U game. <laughs> you know, the time zones, it got a little, it got a little fishy. That's yeah, all. I couldn't figure out if he was good morning or who's good evening. He couldn't figure out if he was good morning or good evening. So we just talked that one as an L. But Everton, big W for you guys. Got to keep it rolling. I think, let's see real quick. I haven't checked, but who do they have next on their fixture list? They have Burnley away. So not a, not an impossible fixture to win at all. So maybe you can pick up another three there. Fulham the following week will be more challenging, but it's at Goodison Park. But as we get into those look-aheads, I think we'll get into the key ones to highlight, and we'll get back to you guys in two minutes. Not even. Don't worry. It won't be that long.
I think this is a perfect time to discuss your travel plans because looking forward into next weekend or this weekend's events is the Liverpool Manchester United game at Anfield, which I believe you will be going to see home for the first time in your adult and non-adults because we're <laughs> be honest here, maturity issues we got to work out, lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so t- so tell me how excited you are about this and, and what we're going to expect other than a, a than a Sean Larkin stripping through halfway to give Mo Salah a giant ass hug <laughs> I wouldn't count on that one but uh yeah I'm, I'm really amped up I'm flying out Saturday night um to get there and then Sunday is the game I think at 8 p.m on local time which will be um electric obviously the, the biggest rivalry for Liverpool is is with Manchester United so um, not only that, but Anfield's actually um, expanding, and this is the first game with, with 7,000 additional fans in the stadium because of a, a new stand that they built this past summer, um, which is rolling out. So I'll be part of a little bit of history as well. And I hope to be a part of some history on the pitch. Um, maybe we can um, you know, beat Manchester United once again. And potentially Mo Salah, like I mentioned before, he scored his 150th Premier League goal. So if he scores his 151, he would pass Michael Owen for sole place of 10th all time. Um, and he's obviously, you know, somebody that has success against Manchester United in the past. He's got 10 goals and four assists in 12 appearances. He had two in, in this fixture last year. The previous year at Man United, he had a hat trick. So obviously he's he's been really successful of recent. And Man United's not in great form coming off a difficult loss against Bayern in the, in the Champions League, which ended their their European football, and then obviously the Bournemouth game, which we touched on. Adding on to that, Harry Maguire pulled up with a groin injury, and Luke Shaw got Ooh. subbed at halftime um, this week of the, of the Bayern game. But with all that being said, in a rivalry game, in a derby, form goes out the window. So I don't think I, – I hope there's not any Liverpool fans thinking this is going to be a pushover. It's not. I think it's going to be low scoring. Unfortunate for your lock of the week, little teaser there. <laughs> um, I could see this being like a 2-1 or a 2-0. Um, the one thing I would say is if Manchester United plays with one holding midfielder and it's Amrabat, he's going to get – we're going to run through him. Um, I think Ten Hag should take this opportunity with no Fernandez to play a bit more compact and defensive solidity. Um, so whether that looks like Amrabat and Kobe Mayno in a double pivot, if he has McTominay play kind of in the brutal role and, and ask him to do more defensively, they're going to need more um, because I think that, you know, the form that Liverpool's in, especially in terms of, you know, chance generation, they're going to, they're going to cause a lot of problems for Manchester United in this game. If, if uh, Amrabat's on his own, you kind of mentioned the defensive side of things, the lacking of Bruno, but on the offensive side of things, you definitely lack that creativity that Bruno has been able to supply throughout the entirety of the season. So, you know, struggling right off the bat to score goals if you're Manchester United in the last couple of days, especially with, I meant to mention it before while we were highlighting the Bournemouth game, but Rashford was absent from the from the lineup, from the squad this, this, this game today due to supposedly illness, but we know that he has been going through a bit of turbulent times. It's not all green pastures over there right now for him. He was benched the last two games, only seeing a total combined 16 minutes in the English Premier League games last two games. So whether this is a week-long illness or a, something that I'm making a bigger deal out of, you might not even see Rashford there either. 
right off the bat, you're relying on Hoyland, Garnacho, and Anthony again, who has a, a one-off good game every once in a while to perform. So to me, spoiler again, I think this should be a bloodbath. And with your presence in the stadium, I don't know why Liverpool wouldn't want to play even harder. <laughs> so I hope it's a great game for you. I'll be super excited. Make sure to send some of those videos. Take the uh, take the EPL state of mind uh, uh, Instagram account and and make some live uh, live stories so we can all see. Well, we'll at the end of the day, we'll take a poll of whose uh, story of Arsenal versus Liverpool's first day on campus uh, takes the cake there. But um, but moving on to the next team we have here, it's Brentford Aston Villa at G Tech Community Stadium. Brentford has kind of been in the middle of the pack this entire season. It's kind of been a bit of a letdown for me. I've really liked the bees. They currently sit in 11th place. Their home record is not, you know, one to shy away from, but it's really not quite good either. They're in 11th place, but they're 10th in the home record. They're 12 points. They've won three, drawn three, and tied two. So if math looks good, this will be a draw and they will be three, three and three against Villa, but we all know the current form that Villa is currently in. So this could be another one of Villa's opportunities to hype their chances of being a title contender. This is a game you definitely need to win. If you want to be part of that conversation right now, unfortunately, um, you know, I think it's something that that's just gotta be, what's your, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I, I agree. I think one thing we should mention is that, while Brentford hasn't been great this year, um, in terms of what they have, they do have Ivan Tony coming back next next month, which should help. Um, and then on top of that, um, Aston Villa is ninth in away form this year. So yeah, we can say they're in the title race because of how good they've been at home. But until you win those games on the road, and really even when you don't play well and you pick up a point instead of a loss, that's crucial in in actually separating the men from the boys when it comes to determining who's really in the title picture. Um, it's great to win at home, but you have to find ways to win road games. As you said, this is a game that they should win, um, but I don't think it'll be easy by any means. Brentford has not lost to Aston Villa since 1953 in the FA Cup. Now, part of that is due to the fact that they weren't always in the same uh, league. Brentford kind of came up from the lower leagues. Villa was you know, one of the traditional powers, particularly back in the 70s and 80s. Um, but the math looks good. Great but stat. the math, it's a great stat to bring up. I like I like to mention it. But um, yeah, I still think Aston Villa is going to find a way to win just the form that they're in. Um, but this could definitely be a trap game, and and it's, there's a reason we highlighted it. Yeah, absolutely. Those ones are sneaky, and it happens to everybody. Look at Liverpool this season, dropping points like you said against Luton. You know, it, it could happen to anybody, and and Villa's no exception. Even though they're they're riding high on cloud nine. They played two really tough games back-to-back this week, too. I'm sure the boys are tired. So you got to take that into consideration, especially when you play Manchester City and then Arsenal. So we'll see how they fare. Other than that, kind of riding that Arsenal train, Arsenal versus Brenton. I'm sorry, Brent. I'm sorry, Brighton at the Emirates. <laughs> Brent, 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 Brighton at the Emirates on Sunday. Uh, Brighton is one of the teams that would have made me nervous last year for good reason, you know, beating Arsenal three of the four matches played within the 2022 calendar year, last win or last loss, last loss for wow, these tongue twisters are getting me today. But Arsenal's last loss to Brighton was three nil at home. 
So this is not a fixture I'm I'm very much looking forward to. But in Brighton's current form, this game being at home for Arsenal with a what should be well-rested first team because they didn't really have to play anyone today in their Champions League game compared to Brighton's squad who will be coming off a tough matchup against Marseille. Shout out to Bamiyang. Help the Gunners out here, would you, brother? <laughs> in their Europa uh, League game for a make-or-break first-place first position in their group. If they beat Marseille over Thursday's game, they'll be in first place, which you obviously want to line yourself up to. But currently, right now, they also don't have to win because they've they've moved nicely along into the round of 16 already. But their squad's really thin, so it's not like they're able to do the rotation. I know we kind of spoke about that beforehand, and it's a great call. This is a game that, like Arsenal today, was going to be able to rotate, but Brighton doesn't have the depth anymore because of their injury list. So they have no choice but to play some of these guys, especially if they want any hopes of being in first place in the Europa group stages. So for me, I'm not as nervous, but obviously because I just said this, I probably made it more difficult for Arsenal because of the soccer juju out there and how that normally works. If I'm confident, something bad's going to happen. But I think it will be a very entertaining game. I'm hoping for at least two goals by the Gunners. Three would be ideal for me. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think like you mentioned, obviously the injuries that, that Brighton have, and just quickly because you mentioned it, it made me think of Villa. Villa is um, on the road at the end of their conference league game, so that also should affect you know their ability yeah. against uh, you know going back across the, the sea to wherever the hell Drinsky is and then uh, – <laughs> And then, uh, you know, returning and playing in London this weekend. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think Arsenal, if this game was at, on the road, I think Brighton would have a good chance of picking up points, even with the injuries, because, you know, they do just seem to elevate their game against the top sides. But because it's at the Emirates, uh, I, I ha- and, and the injuries that they have, as you mentioned, I expect Arsenal to walk away with three points in this one. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But there is one thing that I hope as well. And it is kind of to cheer you up, and that's my lock of the week. So, unfortunately, Sean, you fail to t- uh, you fall to two and three of the season after Everton's surprise victory over Newcastle at Goodison Park, and I look to try to take the lead here and go three and two with my lock of the week. And this is a juicy parlay of Liverpool money line over two and a half goals, and Mo Salah to keep his goal-scoring contributions rolling with the score at any point. This brings your odds up to plus 120. It's a lot of things to happen, but with the weight of tying the record or getting his 200th goal kind of off his shoulders, I think Mo Salah will still be in a groove. I think it's a great team to go up against at home right now. The last the last seven times Manchester United and Liverpool have met each other, there have been three or more goals. Six of those seven times with four or more goals. And the last time Manchester United, I mentioned before, met Liverpool at Anfield was the Kyle logic here. Man, you should be relegated because they lost 7 nothing to a Premier League team. And that was <laughs> Liverpool. So everything's pointing in the right direction. A little bit of a mental and emotional hedge here because if they win i'll be happy because i take the lead here and if they somehow lose i'll be happy because that means arsenal most likely will go back to the top of the table but of course anything can happen december is a difficult period for all with a lot of games but that's my lock of the week and i hope you like it sean i love it i think uh, i think that's a great one mo salah leading the league in goal contributions tied with holland Second and goals, tied for top with assists. He's been top-notch and going against a team that he loves to play against. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to be humble because, 
a loss you'll be fine they'll be like oh yeah somebody threw themselves off the cop yeah that'll be me so (laughs) we have to close we have to close down the brand new stands because (laughs) someone has passed away in them yep yep so that would have been me um i will be in the cop which i'm really looking forward to that you know for people who aren't familiar is the rowdiest uh group of supporters it's a behind the the net basically and extends all the way up so really looking forward to that definitely check out the epl state of mind instagram channel i'll be posting stuff from the game a little bit before a little bit after um i will not be posting you'll never walk alone because i'll be singing my heart out to it um but (laughs) i I look look forward to interacting with you guys and um yeah obviously looking forward to a great week um with with that game and then i'll also be at uh the west ham game of the fa cup and the liverpool arsenal game the following weekend so yeah you have you have the schedule, man. If I had to, if I had to put an agenda together, it's what you just did. So well done, man. I believe the next time we will talk to you is over abroad. So excited to see that. Hopefully, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with the five-hour difference. But until then, we will listen and hear from everyone else in the interim. So hopefully, you all enjoyed the midweek fixtures last week, the fixtures this week, and enjoy this weekend's upcoming fixtures. Until afterwards. Enjoy the rest of your week. EPL State of Mind signing off.